everyone, it's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you, Vogue's first ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrances and handbags. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas, like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's macy's.com slash gift finder today. This is The Run Through. I'm Chloe Mal. And I'm Shermanotti. And this week on the show, we have our dear colleague, Arden Fanning Andrews. Arden is Vogue's beauty editor at large, and she joined us to talk about transforming herself into a real life Barbie, which we were delighted about. It's uh, on Vogue.com now. My idea. <laughs> it all comes out of Choma's fertile brain. <laughs> no, I basically, I, I asked Arden if she'd be game and she was. And she she found all the right beauty expert to um, to make the transformation extra magical. We went to a Barbie screening last week. We did and indeed. With a lot of our Condé colleagues and it was a rollicking delight for, for all of us. It was super fun. Yeah, it was super fun to watch. I... I think some of the references were a little deep for me, and maybe as a as too a American, great, too American. <laughs> um, but it was such a fun movie to watch. Ryan Gosling is such a delight. Oh my and, goodness! Like, he does this sort of like neo Gene Kelly Technicolor dance numbers that are so fun and so wacky. I just was very there for that. For me, when it when it got campy and wacky, it was really at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really fun. I can understand why people are kind of. Eagerly awaiting this movie. And so now we have our very own Arden, who went full Barbie on a day in New York and lived to tell the tale. Arden, can you introduce yourself to those who don't know who you are? Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm Arden Fanning Andrews, and I'm Vogue's beauty editor at large. Thank you for having me um, as your most loyal fan. (laughs) Oh, we're really excited to have you on. (gasps) Well, even whenever I, you know, accepted this beauty editor at large position you were the first people that I saw in the elevator bank after having my gab with Anna and <laughs> I was telling you how I had just liked and reviewed the oh, run through oh my god thank love, you love we love a review and liked and reviewed everyone and... be like Arden please 
like and review. And I feel really close to you even, and and it gives me better insight into even the people that we work with. Well, you know, I wanted you to come on the show because you're doing a very special transformation. Can you tell us the conversation that we had a few weeks ago? Yes. This was from the mind of Choma. And <laughs> what persuaded you to do this? Yes. And really, I, again, honored. <laughs> honored. <laughs> Which was a complete Barbie transformation. So from my kind of like French girl cosplay, short, dark hair, I definitely identify more with a Keanu Reeves aesthetic than a Margot Robbie. And so we tapped very, very cool runway talent. We had Jenna Cuchera with Pat McGrath Labs, and we had Ebony Frausto with Bumble and Bumble. And they... Can you explain what they each do? Yes. So Jenna is cool. She flew straight from Scaparelli Couture, where she did the Eve Klein Blue sort of faux turtleneck look. She came straight from that to the Vogue offices to do this Barbie transformation. Wow. And I've always wanted a Pat McGrath full makeover. Mm. And then Ebony Frosto is just so cool. He closed out Fashion Week at Loire. He does, I mean, he's done like a video for us with Bella Hadid before. Yeah, I mean, he, he's done a lot of Bella's. I feel like many yes. of Bella's most kind of exciting and daring looks have been his, right? Exactly. And he has gotten this, he's really known for his wig work. And so at Colina Strada, he did these dressage-inspired wigs that were like kind of like a net that he put you know, just hand-tied. I'm sorry, like horse dressage? Exactly. What does that mean? Well, because remember how that show was all inspired by animals? It was like, uh, was it, what was the Feed Our Friends? Don't Eat My Friends. Yeah, Don't Eat My Friends. Don't Eat My Friends. It was very, it was really out there. It was really out there. Yeah, there was sort of like semi-horse transformations. Yeah, But do dressage horses have specific hairdos? I think they've got like a little bit of flair. Like they have like nice braids and like special little ties and... I I think that was the that was just something that put his wig work on the radar for me. Mm-hmm. And so I had also never worn a wig and had always wondered about it because I have super So thin that was hair. your first time wearing a wig. First time wearing a wig. Wow. What what did it feel like? It was like a fur hat in oh. a hot summer day. <laughs> and but it really felt real because they they braid your hair into something super tight, which was easy for me. And then he had already pre-dyed two wigs just in case anything happened, put the wig on me, and it looks, you know, like a witch. It was just like a scraggly, witch. blonde witchy hair. And then cut it on the spot. Cut oh, it and styled it, it on, you. on me, which made the transformation that much more dramatic. Also, wigs are very mysterious. There are wigs that are floating around us in our own culture that are like five-figure wigs. Mm. And they are... It is wild how transformative they are. <laughs> that was the moment because the makeup was incredible and definitely something that was different than I would do every day. Much more contouring, much more eyeshadow, lashes, a very like Lily Rose Depp lined lip. Then the hair, when that when the wig was popped on and it was really styled and it was really in full Barbie zone, it was a little bit crazy how different I looked. I mean, I'm always interested how people treat you differently when your hair's, you know, <gasps> different. When I wear my hair straight, I get treated differently. Did you find really? that you... Oh, yeah. Give us some examples. Uh, I think I get more attention from men. Hmm. I think... I I don't know. I have a friend who is also has really insane curly hair and she looks very young and she just gets taken more seriously when right. she wears her hair straight. It's, it's sad, really, because she's got the most amazing curly hair. But it's interesting to see when you 
when you wear your hair differently, how you get treated differently. You know, I can't imagine what it must be like going from a brunette to a blonde because I think there's definitely so many things that we associate with blondes and I'd be interested to know how you how you were treated differently. Yes. So I do think that you're totally correct. Change your hair, change your life. Going from brunette to blonde, the, the attention from strangers mm-hmm. is definitely on another level because I think people just assumed, and maybe because it's I have because I have a big blonde blowout right in the heart of downtown New York. And you're wearing a Barbie pink. Wearing a Barbie pink top. <laughs> and I'm surrounded by a crew. The whole package. The whole package. There, the whole there package. parts of it that, yeah, I think people thought it was probably a promotional thing for the actual film <laughs> because they couldn't tell. You look like a real-life Barbie. It's crazy. It's it, uncanny. It was really real. <laughs> um, and I FaceTimed my husband at, when we had, like were wrapping up and I was just sort of like about to sweat, sweat the entire wig off. And his, you know, reaction was just sort of like shock and joy. And I'd never seen his face like have this like expression because he got the joke. But it was alarming how different I looked. And it was just more of a bombshell, more of a babe than my normal style. Which is so frustrating to me that like blonde equals bombshell. Bombshell. Yes. (laughs) What about your outfit? Because that can also add to a bombshell effect. I was very grateful to the fashion closet queens and to (laughs) Willow. They pulled Chanel. They pulled Balmain. They pulled self-portrait. And ultimately, I wore a pink sort of pleated skirt suit boucle from self-portrait. And it was sort of a, a very bright Barbie pink. Very warm, actually, with the many layers. On a very hot day. On a hot day. I wore my own clogs, which were these Swedish has-beens sort of white clogs because they felt very Barbie shoe, like your foot couldn't Mm. move. And so I'm just kind of like stomping around. And the that was, I mean, super mini skirt, crop top. I don't really like (laughs) wear a crop typically. Right. I mean, I'm I'm curious because your skin is incredible and we were in – in a Slack group chat earlier today, and you were saying you use only one product. What? What is, what is this trend about that is kind of completely stripping back your, what is it called? Okay, so I really liked what Hannah Coates mentioned today where she was saying. Our colleague in the UK. Our colleague in the UK. She's a hero. She's our beauty hero. She's a hero. Um, <laughs> and she called it streaming, right. which I hadn't heard that specific term, but I thought that was very cool. And I think that everyone is feeling a little bit exhausted by the, like, there are million steps for everything. Million steps for everything, whether it's a 24-step YouTube tutorial or a 12-step skincare routine. And I kind of, for this, I got to do a little Vogue 100 party in Paris during Couture Week Mm. that felt very glamorous. And I thought, like, well, what if I just bring one product with me from a French pharmacist who we had covered, Natasha Bonjou, and she created this really clever little balm that fits in your pocket and it can be everything. It can be like a dozen things. And so you can use it for your serum. You can use it for your lip balm. You can use it for your eye balm. You can use it for your whole face. You can use it for your nails. Cleanser? You can, I, exactly. It can take off like waterproof makeup if you needed it to. It can be all of these things. It can be a mask. Whereas I really just like a really like. This one product is going to do all those things? I almost brought it to y'all for this set. But <laughs> wanted to, <laughs> Because I, I really... Ha- I get a little exhausted when I'm traveling at the idea of finding a mini version of everything Mm, or packing a bunch of things and checking a suitcase. Like, I like to travel light. And this was just the – maybe I will, on a normal day, use more like four products and include an SPF and all these things. But for one 
five-day trip to Paris, having just like one little pocket-sized beauty product that couldn't leak because it's like a balmy thing, it felt very wow, clever. Wow, I'm, 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 I'm shook. Yeah. Huh. What? But I'm sorry, what sunblock are you wearing on that five-day trip? So I usually wear Bare Minerals, and they have a great complexion rescue tinted moisturizer. Okay. And they have a great shade <laughs> range, and it gives you a really dewy finish. And Is it, has- it reef safe? I can't promise you that. Reef safe. But I'd like That's to That's the number one. Is that another thing? important. You have to protect the oceans. Okay. You have to protect the oceans. So SPF are dangerous for the oceans? Yes. How a so? lot of the chemicals, they rinse off and they go into the ocean. They affect the coral. But not zinc, the, right? Well, it's if it's non-nano zinc, you're okay. But nano zinc, is the, it's too small. And then the coral, it, it affects the coral. The problem for me with zinc formulated SPF is that they make my brown skin look very it's a white very cast. ashy absolutely yeah wow now, are there any like sunblock trends of the summer that you're excited about or is there like what is what is the sunblock du jour I think hmm. that the sunblock du jour is like I like physical block so like I like to wear like surfer oh, clothing every dermatologist that I follow I, I did this retinol story a few months ago so I yes, started following all these derms and I was like oh my biggest takeaway from the story is not to w- use retinol it's to cover my body because they're all on vacation with like enormous yes. fisherman hats and like long sleeves uh, long sleeve I wear manny gloves which are these really uh, they're my favorite I get manny so gloves. many compliments on manny gloves really? but I wear them like fashion they're designed <laughs> I don't know <laughs> They're designed to be what you wear under the uh, lamp that, when you oh, get a gel UV manicure. Right. But instead, they're just these, like, great fingerless gloves and all these, like, funny little prints. And they also protect your hands. So if you're driving and your hands are always on the wheel in the sun or I they protect me from my computer, too. But Wait, they, what's wrong with, like, your computer? Oh, just, like, the MacBooks are actually really sharp, and so I'll get little calluses <laughs> from typing. <laughs> Um, oh my God, delicate flower. <laughs> delicate flower. But sun-wise, it's really good to be protecting your hands because they show your age in the same way as your face. Yeah, and so yeah. sun gloves. Let's talk about sleep, which is my other obsession. <sighs> I love Chloe's story about Me sleep. Me too. Well, Chloe, what, what piece did you write about sleep? So I just, I had been thinking a lot, I feel like post-pandemic and consistently there's been, everyone's optimizing everything in their life. You're optimizing steps. You're optimizing what you eat. And now I feel like sleep is... The, the great new luxury, that it used to be this bravado thing that CEOs and power people would be like, I only sleep four hours a night and, you know, I'm a superhero. And now Jeff Bezos is like, I need eight hours a night. It's good for Amazon shareholders. People are Ariana very— Ariana Huffington, who you pointed out, was the first really— She really was she on the, was the ahead of this. And she—I interviewed her for the piece. And so it was about all these—this sort of sleeping the next frontier and optimization and all these new tech gadgets that help you optimize your sleep. And it was really fun to test drive some of these. I loved this mattress cover, the Eight Sleep, Ugh, which is like— I've heard about this. I mean, Terrifying to try it. and install. It was like install—it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It was like me and my husband, like, almost got a divorce, like, yelling at each other, <laughs> trying to, like, strap these things down. But it's— cools and heats different sides of your bed um and if you sleep hot that's amazing also it wakes you up with an alarm clock that just it cools your side of the bed slowly so you wake up naturally because a few of the sleep people i talk to say that pressing snooze is one of the worst things you can do because an alarm is like a mini heart attack because you're jolting yourself out of sleep and every time you snooze 
you're doing that again to yourself. So the eight sleep, that was the nicest thing for me, was sort of slowly coming out of sleep right. in a natural way. And then the aura ring I've been wearing since, I guess it's almost two and a half years now. And I, I use it as like my fitness tracker, but also it's nice in the morning to be like, oh, I did sleep more than I thought I did. But I did have some funny people weigh in being like, guys, just go to bed. Like this is, we don't need to like track this. Um, <laughs> well, Chloe is the reason that I am currently wearing an aura ring. It's true. Yeah. And I have been sent an aura ring, they, the sample size thing where you like try yeah. it on. And I, I haven't I haven't done it. What's holding what's holding you back? I don't want to be tracked and I don't even <laughs> oh, step on scales. And I I feel like I am I really celebrate sleep and my whole family respects sleep. It is <laughs> our top beauty secret is to just go to sleep. But I just get nervous about something telling me how many steps I've had or like making me feel like I need to do one more thing during the day. I know. And sometimes when it bothers you to get up and walk, one thing that really resonated with me about Chloe's bees was the fact that, you know, when you get a poor score, you just you're just tempted to just take the damn thing off because it's like or take the day off. Take the day like, off from it. I actually this morning uh, got had like a low HRV number for right. my which is my heart rate variability, oh. which usually happens when I've had I bet something you have to drink an amazing the night before. Heart rate. Well, it's so amazing that uh, it said that I slept, had a 90-minute nap during the Barbie screening. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about Barbie or about my you resting heart rate. You I'm but... nap- napping when I watch movies. I know, like, I know. <laughs> when I watch it just like that, it's like, you're asleep. And I'm like, no, I wish you wait. I know. It's just in a deep state of relaxation within just like that. <laughs> Well, and just to describe what the aura ring is for people who don't know, it's this clunky gold ring with sensors inside. And the sensors track your heart rate, your I guess it's just your heart rate that it's tracking, but also your, your activity, oxygen. your oxygen levels, your temperature. Yeah, your temperature. Um, and sends the scores to an app on your phone, and you can look at all this information. I mean, I've had a lot of feedback slash debates about whether they're ugly or not. Some of the people I talked they're to were ugly. like, they've been confused for Cartier, which I was like, well, that person hasn't seen anything Cartier, but fine. I like to pair it with like some other gold jewelry, but I, I think it can be ugly. I think I, I've, I've sort of just accepted that this is part of my... Please do a collab with someone. <laughs> they did. They did a Gucci one. It was not great. Oh, okay. Well, keep <laughs> yeah. trying. I want to ask Arden what Arden sees as the new workout vibe of the summer. Walking. Pilates. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will walk away. say. Yes, yes, The yes, new okay. old workout trend. Yeah. The new old workout trend. And reformer Pilates specifically is having a, a major moment. And I can say that uh, I've seen the body changes that it can create. I have a reformer machine. In you my, have one in your home? I have one in my home. Stop it. My mom did Pilates with Joe Pilates right before he died. What? Yeah. I didn't know there was a man. Oh, Joe yes, Pilates. Joe Pilates. And he died when she had like, just moved to New York, but she did Pilates with him a few times, and then she picked up with his wife, um, who well, was teaching wow. And isn't he the one that designed the, I mean, Joseph invented, Pilates? Yeah, yeah, he designed the bed spring he reformer designed machine. designed the reformer, wow. yeah. yeah. The, the I just feel like I'm always going to fall over and hurt myself on those things. I just feel like it's the machine is, makes me feel anxious. It makes you feel weird. That's 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 okay. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot. It, there's I don't, I don't parts of it that it. it look kind of like tortury, and so I can see why too. Because yeah. it's just like if you, it seems kind of scary, but then it is very safe, and it's 
also non-electric, and so it's really a sustainable design. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be plugged You're in. You're selling it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but most people go to a class. Most people are normal, cool people that go to a class, and they like to have an instructor, and that's just—I'm not a class person either. You know? I, I just—it's not for me. I do—I read your Pilates article with interest because since— uh, my daughter was born a year ago. I had real like pelvic floor issues, even yes. though I had a C-section. And my OB was like, you can do physical therapy or Pilates will actually be just as good. Oh, wow. So I started doing Pilates and I really did notice a big difference. So I was been more in, intrigued by Pilates lately. And I think that there's a real vibe shift in from like pre-pandemic, this sort of go, 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 like burning the candle at both ends. And then it's sort of this more mindful, like I'm just going to be doing things that I enjoy more. But you're part of the trend. You're you're setting the trend, which is workouts that don't spike your cortisol. And so something that is a sort of chill Pilates class or a stroll, like there are like these hot girl walks where I can't remember the ratio. What does that mean? What's a Someone hot girl else walk? talked about that. Yeah. So I keep I keep forgetting the ratio, but it's like, you know, like three, ten, nine. And it is what? the setting that you put your treadmill on. So it's like this much of an incline, this long of a time that you're walking, this much of an intensity. And it is the it's a it's like a TikTok moment, huh. sure. But People are into it, and walking, I feel like, is the other Pilates right now this summer. Wait, so this is like, hilarious. Yeah. The way that TikTok manages to rebrand the most, like, mundane things, like— You were just talking about this. Hopper walk is the quiet luxury of minimalism. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the—but that's the—I think so many things are being rebranded that are minimalistic attitudes, and so some of it is just like, yeah, walking is minimalism in fitness, and, like, using just one problem is minimalism and beauty. Every couture look that we saw was a minimalistic, non, non-makeup non moment. Yeah. People are just looking for, like, a little bit of a break, I think, in all of the rules that have been thrown at us for what is beauty, what is fitness. So, Arden, question. Have you joined Threads? No. Do you know what Threads is? Oh, my gosh. You were just saying Threads, and I was like, is this an app? Is it an yes, app? Girl, you where have you know. been? Wake up. What's going on? This is the news of the week, Arden. <laughs> okay. On. Oh, gosh. Now I look like I'm not in the know. It's <laughs> true. Okay. Tell me about Threads. Wait. I, no, I am on it. You I would love not Threads. be tech well, Barbie. <laughs> okay. 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 Threads is the rival to Twitter that Meta has been working on for the past year. Oh, no wonder I'm it, not. It launched last week. Okay. It's in its infancy. It's in its infancy. A lot of the functionality is not quite there yet because I think they launched it early in response to the fact that Twitter began to limit people's the the amount of scrolling you could do. The amount of Twitter entries you could see was reduced to a certain number. So Meta took the opportunity to launch Threads, which is the rival to Twitter. It's very much like Twitter, looks like Twitter. And what's smart about it is that you have your followers from Instagram migrate over. So what a lot of people were saying about some of the other earlier Twitter rivals like Mastodon and Blue Sky. But you have to be be invited for Blue Sky, so it's a little bit of a different model. But that you had to start from zero follower-wise and who you followed. And this, it's sort of like a pairing with Instagram. Yeah, they got 100 million people signed up so basically when you when you join you automatically can opt to follow everybody who you follow on um instagram i do like the simplification of that because that turns me off with new app things where it's oh, just yeah. like so I have to just, let, let me access your contacts i'm not gonna let you know. access my contacts like yeah, but i'm sorry i follow different people on twitter than on instagram like so did you go through them individually 
No, I actually don't need threads in my life. So you right haven't now. joined. I haven't joined, but oh, I, okay. that actually is it's yeah. putting me off because for example, like I follow You don't have to. It's like, not mandatory. <laughs> No, but like I follow Elizabeth Colbert, like the climate writer on Twitter because yeah. I want to know what she's writing about. I don't really care what she has for breakfast on Instagram. So it, to me, it's like it's different mm. content. And I don't know if that translates. You don't have to. To be clear, if you haven't downloaded it and haven't tried it, you don't really know, Chloe. You just, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Wait, so you have and you're you basically it. if you're because I what I started to do is I had the same thought as Chloe. There are people on Instagram who I don't really want to know that in a monologue. So I began <laughs> to go through every single person I follow on Instagram to decide whether I wanted to join and then I just was like this is going to take too long so I just pressed follow all Oh, and, and now I'm just opting out of people who I'm like oh, I don't really need to hear your, your and are you using it instead of Twitter I was never a big tweeter no I wasn't a big tweeter so well, it's very hard for actually both of your like beauty and fashion do not lend themselves well to Twitter no. like they're so visual that TikTok and Instagram are much more appealing yeah. for that Sarah Brown actually set up my Twitter for me when I started at Vogue oh my at God. Four, four times square like 10 years ago Sarah Brown OGBD director at Vogue who Arden way back when was her assistant she really she brought me in she brought me in and she a huge Twitter following by the way yeah, and, and she, she was wrote. like yeah you've got to be on Twitter like that's where you get your news just you know just have eyes on it kind of thing and I think that I get my news from just actual like Apple news or out and about in real life conversations like this and you're news. Hot, you're a bit under a rock you haven't seen about you haven't that's heard the, about threads haven't heard about threads <laughs> but I also think that like I'm ready for a return to sort of like mystery exclusivity uh, people not knowing everyone's business more of a Kate Moss lifestyle where you're like partying in a club and nobody has a camera and nobody is allowed to actually uh, have their phone. I don't phone. think that's happening. I don't think it's ever going to happen again, but I wonder if there's going to be some version of that in... I mean, people are... I mean, I think Gen Z, some people are getting flip phones. Flip phones, that's what I'm... Oh, exactly. exactly. There is that trend. And yeah. There are always going to be people who are anti the moment. Yeah, because if you're really like people are scrubbing themselves from the internet, like I yeah. like don't don't you shouldn't even know what I look like, you know that's right. not me, but it 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 exists. Arden, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute thrill. We we love to talk to a Barbie girl. I'm so happy to be here, and thanks so much for a great conversation. It really means so much to me. The run through will be back in just a moment. I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411. And sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. 
The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back with a run-through. This week on the show, we have Darian Darling with us. She is a makeup artist, Barbie collector, probably the ultimate Barbie collector. Oh, my God. This is really her moment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. She predates Barbie yes. core by decades. Um, she's joined us, and she's decked out in a pink outfit with Barbie pink lipstick, and she's live from her home, which is a Barbie land in She calls LA. it the Pussy Palace. The Pussy Palace. <laughs> yes. Hello. Darian, welcome. We are so excited to have you on the show. Would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. My name is Darian Darling, and I'm a makeup artist and kind of image creative consultant living in Los Angeles. And I am a big proponent of pink and <laughs> Barbie before it was cool. And um, I'm a Barbie collector, and uh, I was in New York nightlife persona for many years before um, I moved to Los Angeles. So I had a very storied, wild, weird life and career. <laughs> Wonderful. And so you're talking to us from LA right now. Yes. Set the scene a little bit. Where, where do you live there? What's the vibe of your house? Okay, got it. I live in Hancock Park with my best friend, Justin Tranter, who is probably the one of the most prolific pop songwriters of the last decade of the modern era, wrote every hit you can imagine. Um, and about a year ago and some change, we moved into this insane um, house. And I have the whole top floor, which I call the Pussy Penthouse, <laughs> because the... Um, main house is kind of done in like a very art deco like 1920s kind of style and my fl floor is uh, all like 80s deco all mauve and pink and barbie so um we jokingly refer to it as the vagina of the house love <laughs> the most important place in yes. any house hello where all life begins <laughs> <laughs> well it's so funny because i think recently we had someone on the show and Chloe, who was it that told us that the certain Pantone of Barbie Pink was... It was me, Choma. You I wrote was the that story. person. You were that person. Tell us this. Unbelievable. Because I hope, I think, I have, a, I suspect, Darian, that you started renovating or decorating your new house, your new living space, a little bit before the Barbie team were creating the dream house for the movie because apparently they right. scoured the earth. Yeah, they ran out of paint, right? Yes. yes. Oh, so you know this too. She oh. read it in my article. Hello. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Hello, exactly. 
<laughs> there are these two older British women who have done like every great like period film in the UK, uh. and they were fabulous. And they were completely perplexed by like the concept of Barbie. They never had a Barbie. They never touched a Barbie. And they were like, and we had to get pink. And we looked with its tone of specific pink and we scoured the earth and there was a run on pink paint. So they had to like create it themselves. It was a whole <laughs> drama because they oh needed my. like 150 liters because they built it at a soundstage in London. Which I just totally appreciate as someone that loves like classic movies and vintage movies. Uh, I miss practical effects. I miss sets. I miss like mm. the heightened fantasy and reality of way movies. You and way Greta Gerwig. Look, weren't all... Digital, you know what I mean? Like, of I course, I need to know, Darian, what your first thoughts were when you saw the trailer, when you heard uh, the movie was coming out. Are you excited yeah. to go? I know you're wearing the Moschino Barbie collab amazing <laughs> pink sweater right now. So, Love it. what are you going to wear to the, when you see it? Like, tell me everything. Oh my God. Well, um, I have a group of friends uh, in LA. We call ourselves the Doll Mafia. So, the Barbie movie has been a hot topic of conversation between all of us for quite a while. And um, I think when I heard about it, I was like, God, how are they going to make a Barbie movie? Because, you know, she's such a polarizing topic and figure and in culture and children and women and body issues and like the whole thing. Like, how are they going to do this? We're not, not everyone hates it. And I just think like, you know, from outfits she's wearing, like there's references to, you know, Barbie. Like they've really thought, put a lot of hard thought and effort into this like you know having midge be pregnant who is midge? who is midge midge was barbie's best friend that was introduced in like 1963 i want to say that Whoa. you know barbie was very overtly sexual and um very glamorous so midge was kind of like the softer sweeter oh terrible name midge. Oh. <laughs> actually darian um, you sent an amazing deck of like mood boards to us about the history of barbie and i uh, was fascinated speaking you just made me think of this because you said barbie was so sexualized i didn't know about barbie's origin story i can't believe oh my it God. You Isn't illuminated that, it for me. Can you just tell us a little bit the German jaunt that inspired uh, the Barbie yes, we know and love? Totally. Well, that was so fascinating to me, too, when I found out that I actually have it here. I did a 12-page um, book, um, U.S. Studies report from my senior um, high school U.S. Oh Studies my class. God. Oh, my God. So Barbie... It was really fascinating. In Germany in 1952, there was a comic strip in a newspaper called Bild. And uh, she, there was this about this like tardy, kind of sassy career girl, blonde ponytail, really sexy. And it was about her kind of misadventures. And she was kind of like a Holly Go Lightly type of character where she like got $50 to go to the powder room, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> So it was just about her life and it was all very like double entendre and like tongue in cheek. And it really hit the German pop culture world with like a ton of bricks. People were just obsessed. And she was marketed to adult men, right? As like a gag gift and cigar right. stores. So it was just like a cartoon and the car this comic strip was so popular that they decided that oh, we should come out with uh, a doll to sell to like men and like tobacco shops and bars and like gift shops. And it was like a gag gift because dolls up until that time were either baby dolls or even if it was a fashion doll, it looked like a toddler. Like she had like kind of so like a woman's body with a high heeled foot, but a very like yeah. six year old face. Like there wasn't like a doll that looked like a woman. And so this doll was really popular. They even made a Lily movie. The doll and cartoon character was named Lily. And so Ruth Handler, who was the uh, 
uh, co-owner of Mattel Toys, had seen her daughter, Barbara, playing with paper dolls. And paper dolls were the only kind of like full-figured, womanly, adult kind of woman where little girls could act out their fantasies about being an adult, about growing up, about wearing beautiful clothes. So she went back to the Mattel board and was like, I think we need to do a doll that looks like an adult woman. And they're like, no, absolutely not oh my god never heard of anything so horrible so she went to europe with her husband and barbara and kenneth who was Ah, her son love and they were walking around window shopping and saw this lily doll in the window and she was like oh my god this is exactly what i've been talking about so they brought it back to mattel and she's like see it can be done you can make a doll that looks like a woman so they you know retooled it a little bit and then released it in 1959 and the rest is history but um it's part of the reason why they kind of softened as the years went on you know barbie's look because you know she was very overtly sexual and really glamorous and mattel did a study with mothers and little girls in like 1960. Every mother was like, oh, she's a whore. I hate her. And every little girl was like, I love her. I love her. Like, So, you know, moms are always going to be mad and little girls are always going to want the glamour. For our listeners who can't see what we're talking about, can you tell us about this Barbie you're showing? Is this your oldest Barbie? This is my oldest one. This is um, number three. So there's like ranging from number one to number six for this like original pony's tail style because Mattel kept retooling it and like making subtle tweaks. So this is like the third variation that came out in 1960. Strawberry blonde, I would say, right? Yeah, she's not yeah, as blonde as her usual. Her hair was like um, a very like honey yellow blonde. And the the plastic that they made it out of uh, faded to white in sunlight, which is why she's so pale. Oh, so that's so she have the why tag. doing them is because they ended up finally finding a vinyl that didn't turn white. And the swimsuit is Jansen? Yeah, it looks like. The swimsuit is based on a Jansen swimsuit modeled by Jean Patchett in 1953. Wow. Uh, That was another thing that was so cool about Barbie and from her inception to now is she was always all everyone at Mattel was always looking at what was happening in fashion at the time oh. she's like a mirror for what women were wearing at that specific moment that the dolls released are the early dolls your favorite like where did you mm. get that <laughs> uh, this I got from um I've had this maybe since 1999 when I started got my first job uh out of high school I was working at a makeup counter and lived with my parents so I had a you know disposable income so I thought you know I've always wanted like an actual original Barbie and so there's a whole world of Barbie collectors that sell dolls, vintage dolls. And so Where? I bought this on the internet. And there's doll shows. There's like a doll, doll shows. shows. Tell us about world. a doll show. Oh, my God. Well, there's one um, that happens in a little more down near Anaheim, Disneyland, uh, called Sherry's Doll Show. Mm. It's fabulous. Who is Sherry? Sherry is the doll collector and she throws this insane doll show at this hotel and it's two big showrooms and there's doll um, sellers and collectors from all around the world that come and sell their stuff. Do you sell your Barbies too? No, I just love them. (laughs) Where do they live? In various living spaces and apartments, they kind of live all around. But now at my new place, I actually have a Moschino Archive Barbie Core Closet where a lot of them live. All the 80s ones, like this is my um, first Barbie that I ever got in 1984, Day to Night Barbie. Can you describe Uh, her for listeners? 
She is a really fierce businesswoman in a pink suit that her outfit is reversible and turns into a sexy disco outfit. So she'll go out to the club after work. Oh my God. This was the first Barbie that I ever got. Not this actual one, but um, this was my first Barbie. And I actually have the same outfit in my size. Oh (laughs) Oh my goodness. But um, I love her. She's my favorite. She's just so fabulous and kind of epitomizes that like 80s power woman business cunt like she's so fierce and she has a poodle with a beret ah what drew you to bobby and well as a kid in the 80s like i just you know seeing the commercials on tv and you know as a trans person i've been very blessed and had a very lovely life where my parents let me play with dolls and like live my gender identity and expression from a very young age not that there weren't hiccups in the road so barbie was kind of like the ultimate ideal of like unattainable unapologetic glamour that's like Mm -hmm. inspirational and aspirational and you know when you would go to toys r us back in the 80s and the sliding door would open and there would be like a vacuum seal of air that would just like hit you in the face with this like sweet smell of plastic but you know it's like little you know boy or whatever you know going to the barbie aisle which was all hot pink was like a total no-no like you did not want to be seen there but i would just walk down the aisle and see all these like glamorous outfits and it's all pink and it clearly imprinted on me wow yeah what was it like as a child going down the barbie aisle did anyone say no 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 let's redirect you to the trucks and the trains or was it you know everything was fine Yeah. Um, No, my parents were always sweet, but, you know, you wouldn't want to be seen by someone at school. Like, God forbid you got caught, like, by a friend that you went to school with. So Barbies were an at-home activity. At-home activity, so much so that, like, I hated when a friend would come over unannounced, like a neighborhood friend. Oh, wow. Barbies behind couches. Oh, wow. There was an element of shame to it, too, you know? Like, you would get made fun of. But I loved it. But I did have a lot of, like, girlfriends who had Barbies, and we would always play with Barbies. And any dolls that I didn't get, they had. And so, you know. Do you have um, clothes made for you to match some of your dolls? I actually i have thought about it quite a lot. I've not actually done that. I have miraculously just found things that remind, like, the um, day-to-night Barbie yeah. outfit that I have was just a vintage piece that's clearly from the same era. And it was like a really long, like suit jacket. It looks like a suit jacket, but it was like a dress, but I had it like shortened. So it's a little more of a mini, but it's like this like pink with the white collar and the white cuffs, like, and I have a hat and she comes with like spectator shoes, but in pink and white. And so I found a pair of spectator shoes in my size, but dyed the black parts pink myself. Like I'm, I'm crafty. I'm crafty. Like I painted my Moschino Barbie closet myself. Wow. And um, I have Barbie mannequins, uh, life-size Barbie mannequins. And she's in a reproduction of the zebra swimsuit, but all the black parts I sequined with um, like 10,000 mauve sequins by hand. Wow. Is it mildly irritating to you that now Barbie is such a thing and I feel like when someone hijacks the thing that you love, does it, you were there first. I mean, did it? I know. It's kind of like the dichotomy of the two, right? Like on one hand, you're like, people are coming up to you. They're like, oh, I love your Barbie core look. I was like, oh, I've been doing that way before that word even existed. But at the same time, it's really easy to shop. Has it driven up the prices of dolls? Um, Not that I've noticed. You can still, I'm, I don't try, I try to not spend over a hundred dollars for anything. Oh, that's okay. a good rule. Any one doll. So I hunt on eBay, all the dolls that I'm looking for. I like, 
is anytime anyone lists something on eBay, like I get an alert to my phone, like they listed it. So I try to like wait and like find the right one and their hair has to be right in the box and the makeup has to be right and she has to be posed the right way, you know, very specific. Do you know how many Barbies you have or do you prefer not to count because it makes you feel guilty about getting a new one? I hope you count. Is it one in, one out? Is it like the closet? You've never counted. I've never counted, but well over a hundred. Right. Wow, that's a lot. Are there any you're still searching for that you wish you had? Well, I mean, obviously I would love to have a number one. um, And that's, you know, I'm not prepared to spend, you know, $12,000 on a doll. What does she look like, the number one? Oh, my um, Barbie doll that I'm holding right now, my number three Barbie. She looks just like her, like she has the same face sculpt, but they painted it in a softer way to make her look a little more wholesome, where the first one was very much inspired by the Lily doll. And so she has like really aggressive cat eyeliner and really archy, like fierce eyebrows and like really like pursed lips. And also um, she has like white irises, which is kind of like gives her a very cartoony look where this one... It has a little bit of like a softer blue eye. Darren, we're so thrilled to that talk was to you. So cool. You're the OG Thank Barbie you. core queen. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> learned so I learned so much. I'm talking to you. Right. You too. That's it for the run through this week. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now. The Run Through Evoke is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Jake Loomis, Gabe Kiroga, and Kevin Burasa, and mixed by Mike Kutchman. See you soon. Bye. We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes 
to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.